Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Um, I wasn't sure if your thank you for being here was to me or to them. So, yeah. Hey, a couple weeks ago, I was away with my family on vacation. It is good to be with you here. Last Sunday, we did a beach Sunday. Crazy idea in California that we would actually take church to the beach. And many of you were there. Some of you we missed. And I just want to give you a heads up that, hey, Sundays like that are not a throwaway. We're just like, not like, hey, we're going to phone it in. We're just going to go to the beach and do nothing. It actually allows us to have community in a different location, spend a little bit more time, you can have more conversations, and I want to give a heads up. In a few weeks, I know Nikki just gave a few more announcements, but in a few weeks, the very first Sunday of September, we're going to do it again, but not at the beach. We're actually going to do a pool party and baptisms that day. It allows us to have more space of time to engage in community. Might even bring back something crazy in church land years ago called a potluck. I mean, maybe we'll just invite you to like bring food to things. I know sometimes people get like, they break out in hives. Like, I don't know, can we do that these days? I feel like we can still trust you. Maybe. This will be your one chance. If you fail, we won't invite you back to the pool party next time. So there you go. That's the first Sunday of September. But something else that's coming up, there's a few things that have been mentioned, and you can find information online at our weekly. But a month ago, we told you a story about a church in LA that we get to partner with kind of as their parent church. They're going to launch in September on Sunday, September 12th, called the Heart LA. Well, this past week, we, as their parent church, because they need some backing, they need some people that would stand for them and say, hey, these are legit people, we actually helped sign some lease documents for them to be able to lease a property right on Wilshire Boulevard. But as you can imagine, like any property, you can't just get the keys to it and then the next week have church. There's some things that need to be done. And so I want to invite you to what's called a work day, if you're interested. So here's a video about the space that Pastor Sean went to recently. Hey, Refuge, it's Sean here. I'm with Randall and David up in L.A. And uh, we're in the middle of their new sanctuary can you believe this it looks like a club and maybe yeah. Yeah. because it was yeah, yeah. it used to be a, a be bar a, and a yeah. nightclub so yeah. god took something and has turned it around and we get to transform it into a church now it's crazy right on the other side of the photographer is wilshire boulevard they have a church on wilshire boulevard That's in right. la That's right. the stories the miracles are unbelievable What we're asking, we're going to reach into our community because we know that the heart is part of refuge. Um, Brenton and Sean and Nikki, we're parenting this church even though they really don't need us. You guys are a (laughs) phenomenal couple. They have phenomenal resources. But we have a work party planned. That's right. Uh, August 14th, you can come down to Los Angeles and we will use you to help us finish this building. That's right. There's lots to do here. That's right. We're launching on September 12th, so we need your help. So come join us if you have any kind of skills in painting or uh, repairing stuff, or you can just lend an extra set of hands. Come join us on August 14th. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. When they say they're going to use you, I, I'm, they're going to carefully use you, That's right. and they're going to honor your talents, yes. And, yes. and we're excited. I'm going to be here. I'm and gonna, we'll feed you. Oh, feed you. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. All right. We'll see you August 14th. I'll see you before that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. Food is the international language of love right there. So yeah, they're going to feed us. But if we want to go that morning on and Saturday, September, Saturday, August 14th, we're going to head up to LA and help them. And literally, you don't have to be a tradesman of any kind, tradesperson. You can just come, lend a hand. They're setting things up. They just placed a huge order this week for equipment so that they can have lighting and video and sound. So the day that they open in September, they are ready to welcome people. They've already begun to have some parties in the neighborhood, and people are getting word out that the Heart LA is a new church in LA, and we get to be a part of their story. So come and be a part of the love there on August 14th. It'll be a fun day. Okay, speaking of love, and I love the fact that we ended on that song where God's love is a firm foundation. With that said, open up your Bibles to Ephesians. Now, there are four passages of Scripture every single week that hits our team here at Refuge because we walk through what's called the lectionary. That's the liturgical calendar, which is a fancy word that means church. And through the cycles of the year, much like we find ourselves in summertime, there are cycles in the church calendar. We can reach all the way back to the beginning of the church calendar, which begins in the season of Advent, which precedes Christmas. Right at Christmas time, we celebrate the season of Christmas. It's not just one day. If you know anything about me, I beat a drum that it's 12 days, so don't just put the tree away after day one and get rid of it. You want to make sure that tree stays out from Christmas Day all the way to January 5th. From January 5th forward, it's the season of Epiphany. Then we move into the season of Lent that precedes Easter. Then you get to Easter, and that's a season of itself. Then you get to Pentecost, and all kinds of things happen in the church calendar and the church year. And where are we right now? We are in the season of ordinary time. And that's a fancy way to say there's not much happening. Okay, just me. Ordinary time is the bottom half of the year that just says, hey, where do we see God happening in the ordinary moments of things? And in the lectionary, there are four passages assigned to us each week. There's an Old Testament reading. There's a New Testament reading. There's a gospel reading. And then there's a reading from the book of Psalms. So of the four passages today, I had to figure out, well, where was I heading on a day like today? And I look at the four, and I think the four might even be behind. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's the four. And like, there are amazing stories in this list. If you go to the, the Old Testament reading and Samuel, the sec, second Samuel, that's like the story of David and Bathsheba. Yeah. We talked about that as a group this week. And uh, someone's like, yeah, yeah, I, wanna, I want a sermon on that one. You're like, all right. I mean, we know the details, kind of, right? It's, it's like the cold, hard facts. David... Should have been out to war, but he wasn't hanging on the top of his castle, if he had a castle, looking over the towns below and could notice a woman who was bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. He inquired about her. Hey, tell me her name. And so one of his servants figures out, oh, that's Bathsheba. She's wife of Uriah. And David probably said something like, she's a very smart individual, isn't she? And uh, he wanted to get to know her, and that's where we get things like, oh, what do you mean by know her? And then they're like, know you in the biblical sense, which is like a joke in high school and college. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> but that's what David does. He goes and he steals Uriah's wife. He sleeps with her. There's all kinds of messiness that comes. And I could have gone that way, which would have been a fun story to talk about, but I feel like next week in the lectionary, it's a really good passage that reflects on the story of David and Bathsheba. So maybe next Sunday's sermon is going to be all about that. Then you look at the psalm reading, Psalm 14, if you open that thing up, the very first, first verse, it says, the fool says there is no God. And so the psalm writer is just going right after the people who think that, hey, everything's going so bad, there can't be a God. But then he reminds you at the end of this passage in Psalm 14, 
and that God is our refuge. And you feel like, I should have preached on that because anytime there's the word refuge in a scripture, you should use it because we're in a church called Refuge. But I decided not that one. And then you go to the book of John, the last one. This is the gospel reading. And John's story is so much. There's so much going on in this one. This is where 5,000 people are hungry, but that's only 5,000 men. There were many more than that. There's like women and children as well because you know you can't just have a party with 5,000 guys around. There's going to be ladies. There might even be children. So Jesus is feeding these 5,000 people. You've heard the story? You might be familiar with it. You've heard some version of it. He does something miraculous with people who are hungry. Then he goes off by himself to pray, to be, be away from the crowd. And then his disciples do this crazy thing. They get in a boat, and they want to go to the other side of the lake, and there's a storm that comes in, and they are desperate. And Jesus appears to them, and some versions tell the story where this is where he walks on water, rescues them. And you're like, I should have gone with that one. But for me, it's the book of Ephesians, because I am captivated by this passage. And here's why. Read with me. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, the guy who's writing is a guy named Paul, and this is how the story goes. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. When you see a word like amen, it's like it's supposed to be the end of the story. And if you have your Bible out or even if you have your phone out and you're looking at things, it's not where the book of Ephesians or this letter to the Ephesians ends just the end of the section, Paul continues to go on, and I made a joke of it this morning, and our worship team reminded me that that's just like how every pastor is. When they say amen, they're not really done. And that was a joke. Okay, so then Paul continues to go on to portions of the book of Ephesians, this letter to his friends in Ephesus, where he culminates with at the end, if you get to chapter six, if you make your way all through that letter, you get to a place where, pretty famous passage where we talk about the armor of God. Because Paul is telling his friends in this part of the world, in the Roman Empire, that they need to arm themselves with the armor of God, not with what they see in the culture around them, perhaps the Roman army and the Roman legion that would have traversed that area quite often. No, arm yourself with the armor of God. And if you get to that section of chapter 6, you're like, that's amazing. But what is it that, that Paul was trying to do right there when he's talking about this idea to be rooted and established in love, that we would know, as it says, that we would know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That is what stood out to me this week, and here's why. Years ago, I was challenged with this concept that I want to tell stories or perhaps even open up scripture with a reflection on what God has done this week, not what God has done 40 years ago. 
30 years ago, 20 years ago. Because sometimes preachers, pastors, are guilty of just telling like the really grandiose versions of their lives from like, I was a sinner, and you should have seen me, and then I got saved, and now I'm here, and you should accept Jesus too. Right? Like that's sometimes the transactional moment that happens in churches. But I remember being challenged early on in my career as a pastor working in a church and saying, hey, can you tell stories of what God has done this week, not just what he did years ago? So it always gives me this glimpse, can I see with my eyes what God is doing this week? And there's a couple things that happened in our family's life this week that bring this passage to light in a different way. Because when we open up this, this book, this letter to Paul's friends in Ephesus, you got to understand some foundation before I even go into the stories of what happened this week for me. This is the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. It's huge. This is a major port city. There was a river that connected the Aegean Sea right to the heart of Ephesus. So boats and ships would come into town. It would be a major trading port, not just on the seas, but also all throughout the land. You could connect yourself to all the different parts of the Roman Empire if you were in Ephesus. This is also the place where you would have the temple to Artemis, or that's the Greek version of the god. In Roman lore, it's the temple of Diana. This is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Ephesus is a major powerhouse player in the Roman world. Even the image that you have right here, this is the library that still to this day, when you go to the city, you can see this. That's how they built things back then. Sometimes when we build things and put things together today, we're wondering, I don't know if it will last this week. And they make things that last a couple thousand years. And you're so impressed with how things happened in Ephesus that we can just imagine what it was for like Paul who was talking to his friends. Now, a few other things to know about this letter to his friends in, in Ephesus is that it's not just the fourth largest city in Rome. It's his major it's a major place where people are having commerce. It's got this temple to Diana. But Ephesus is also the place where Paul, most scholars would say, hung out the longest. This is where he made his base of operations. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you've looked at some maps. If you flip to the back of your Bible sometimes, you'll see these maps of the missionary journeys of Paul. They will often come through Ephesus because that's where he ported himself and knew that he could get to the other places of the empire if he went through Ephesus. So some scholars would say he was hanging out there for upwards of three years. So he knew these people pretty well. So when he writes them this letter, he's obviously not with them. He's wishing he could be there. But he's reminding them of something, that they would notice who they are and their identity in Christ. That even his words from today's passage of being rooted and established in love, that that may be the overarching theme for every single one of them. Because they live in a city that everything is about the Roman Empire. If you're a good person, you believe in the Roman Empire, you believe in emperor, you believe in the Caesars, you believe in their power. And no, for Paul, it's, hey, would you be rooted and established in love? And when you are established in that love, you may have power to understand how wide and deep and high and long is the love of Christ for you. So this week, my son has the audacity to go to camp he signed up for summer camp with many of our students here at Refuge. They went to camp up in the mountains, and he was so excited about this thing. It's his first ever away from us moment that he's not hanging out with family. He's with, with our youth team, and it really, she's not in here, she doesn't know this, really messed my wife up because she sent her son to camp. 
And I said, he's going to be fine. Like, they're an hour and 15 minutes away. If we had to go get him, we could. It's going to be all right. So we spent all day packing him, getting his bag ready, put him here, got him into cars that went up the mountains. And then she's like, is it too early to text him? I'm like, baby, they're not even there yet. Like, just trust that he's going to have a great week. It's going to be fun. So a few times she would text. Um, she really annoyed our daughters because they were the ones at home at times because my daughter still had some uh, stuff to do with her cross-country team, so she couldn't go to camp. And so they were home, and my wife would say things like, what do you think Mike is doing right now? Do you think he's eating? And if you know anything about Micah, he's allergic to a lot of things, but not in like the way that you think. He's emotionally allergic to a lot of things. <laughs> There's a lot of things off his list that he will not even touch. And so my wife is like, I wonder if he's having food. And so she packed his bag. I'm not sure if the youth leaders noticed this with all kinds of like granola bars and things like that, things that he would eat just in case they have spinach all week long, right? Like it's going to be weird. I'm like, baby, it's youth camp. You know they're serving things that they want to make sure every kid's going to eat. Maybe some things not. But anyway, so she's, she's asking questions like, do you think he's being, like, is picked on? Like, I'm like, he's going to be fine. Like, he's sending us texts. Um, he called me and gave me a five-minute rundown of how camp was going, and she was offended that she didn't get the call. I got the call. So just be between me and you. We know, right? We know? Okay, I got the call. She didn't get the call. So I got this call from him. He's having a blast. He's having such a great time. But I was recognizing in my wife this this thought and concept that her son is away from her, but even while he's away, all of her thoughts are about what he's doing. So when we understand this passage of Scripture, when Paul says, can you grasp how wide and how long and deep and high is the love of Christ? I get a glimpse into it because I recognize how Rachel missed Micah when, she wasn't, when he wasn't with her. Not to say I have a heart of stone, and I didn't care. I'm just not a mother in that regard. I didn't, I, I would, I, like she would, got in this fight with our kids in the car, our kids, meaning our daughters. And, um, and, and they were like, Mom, would you stop saying things about Mike and not being here? And she says, but you don't even know what it's like. I birthed him. And you're like, I'm like, okay, we're going to save that one for later, all right? So experiencing this. And then finally, okay, the second story of this week of how this passage comes to life for me is because we decided to take this quick last-minute trip up to Utah on Thursday. We picked him up from camp. We drove to Utah, which sounds crazy for some of you, but I posted about it that we went to um, Zion National Park because we wanted to hike the Narrows. This has been a bucket list item for our family for years. Years ago, we visited the, the park for the first time with Rachel's family. We went RV camping. It was too cold. It was wintertime, and we saw the Narrows. We we're like, one day we're going to come back and do that. And so this was the week because we looked at the entire calendar. We couldn't figure out where and when everybody would be landing, and this was the one set of 48 hours that we could do it. And so we decided we're going to do it. We drove up, and... And sometimes, I don't know if you know this to be true about people, I don't know if you're on social media these days where people post things on Instagram and Facebook, and sometimes it's amazing, right? Like, I posted about it, and it looks like amazing. Some people are like, I wish I could do that. I want to go, tell me about your ways, Brenton. It's so great, and that makes you feel good. But what they don't see in the pictures is real life. Do you know this about social media? That it's not always exhibiting real life. 
So there's a picture of us right before we begin. This is us. You can imagine the Narrows. If you've never been or heard about this place, it's this narrow slot canyon right in the heart of Zion National Park. And as you walk through the canyon, it typically is filled with water, and you're walking through it. So you either have to rent shoes that are specially made to walk through this, or you just use old shoes that you don't care about. So we used old shoes that we didn't care about. We all had hiking sticks. We had hydro packs. We're like, we were set. We're going to have so much fun. And we are going. I think there's one more picture. You just kind of see the, just, the, just the vastness of the canyon. It's amazing. This is not my slideshow that we're here hanging out. We're going like to have popcorn later and just talk about life with Brenton's family. But I just wanted to give you this glimpse of what life was like. We can go back to the logo now. Enough about my family. Um, so we're walking this canyon, we're having an amazing time, like it's just like the coolness of the water and you're getting used to it and we're just going, the vastness of the canyon, you can barely take in because you actually have to like gaze up to recognize the sky and the clouds and the canyon and how God has created this place. And my kids are asking questions like, how did this happen? And you just, you're like, this is, this is how God works. Like you go to places like that, you can't escape how God works. Some of you, nature is it as an evidence of who God is. You love to go to the ocean and see the waves that come in. You don't understand how the tides work until you understand how the lunar schedule works, but then like who put the moon there? How does it orbit the earth? All that crazy stuff. Like this is how God works. He is amazing and magnificent and beautiful. We took a break. We sat on some rocks. We're eating some snacks, snacks that my son would eat you know, snacks that other people would eat. We're just having fun. We're sitting and we're, we're, we're resting. And then um, I was resting with my, my oldest two. So it was with Aubrey and Micah. We're on a rock and then Rachel and Hannah are over here on another rock. We're taking a few minutes and they're like, hey, can we get going? I'm like, no, no, no. We're going to wait for mommy and, and Hannah. We're going to let them join us and we'll go together. And so we're probably like two football fields away. So we're just, I'm just waiting, just like waiting for them to come up. And they come, they join us. And so my oldest two, that was the moment that they wanted to take off. And so they started going. My youngest, who just in life always wants to be near the older ones, she's doing her best to keep up. And so like we're seeing them in the distance and it's cute and everything. And then they round a corner and we're like, okay, cool. And we round a corner and we see Hannah and she's on a rock and she's visibly sad but I cannot see the other two. I'm like, all right, it's just a canyon. Like, where can they go? So we get to Hannah. We're like, what happened? And she's like, then went that way. That's how the, like, the conversation goes. I'm like, okay. And then like, we start moving. I still don't see them. I go to the next edge. Because this canyon just like the switchbacks all the time. I get to this corner, and I turn, and I look to see, and I can't see the older two. I look back at my wife, and she's like, you see him? I'm like, no. And she's, I go, hey, I'm just going to like, I'm going to book it. I'm just going to move fast. I'm going to go find them, all right? So just go back and forth. There's lots of people. We're just, we're, I'm huffling. I'm just going at it. And, you know, like just by looking at me, you're like, this guy, I don't know if he's a hiker. You're like, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But this is not like your typical hike where you have to be worried about like sweating profusely and huge incline. You're pretty level. And... I mean, I can probably beat some of my kids and how fast I go, so I'm just like booking it. Like, I am not even taking into consideration how beautiful this place is. I'm looking for my two kids. And I go to the next corner and I look and I don't see them. I keep going, I'm like, man, they are fast. Like, they just wanted to get away from my youngest daughter. This is impressive. 
can't wait to get to them and talk to them about this. This is going to be a fun conversation. We get, I keep going, keep going, keep going. I turn the next corner, and they're still not there. And I'm like, man, they, this, what are they doing that they're this fast? Like, I feel like I'm going as hard as I can right now, and I still can't find them. I go to the next corner, and I look, and I don't see them. I'm like, what's going on right now? Then, like, weird things happen in your mind. You're like, did someone take them? You're like, you're in a canyon. Where are they going to take them? Are they below water? Because there's parts of this walk and this hike that you have water that has some significant depth. There was one place that I got it to that got out to my neck. So you're like, yeah, it could be water. Is there water danger? I don't know. I keep going around, and I go around. And finally, I turned a corner, and I looked, and they weren't there. And I said to myself, there is no possible way because I was with them when we got off the shuttle to start this walk, that there's no way. I was recognizing their abilities in life. There's no way that they are farther than me. I, I'm pretty good. Like, they're not that good, okay? This is the mental conversation that's happening to me, and I, I'm, I'm now resigned to, they're not in front of me. I don't know where they're at, but they're not in front of me. So I sat on a rock, and at this moment, I have all kinds of things running through my head. Anger, like where are you? Concern and fear, like what happened? Knowing that my abilities were better than theirs, I finally just sat down on a rock and waited. And I'm like, you know what? This is gonna be for their own good. This moment right here is gonna be good for them. They, maybe they, I hope they're scared. I hope that they are feeling what I'm feeling in the reverse. I hope that they're petrified right now. I, I wanna see tears when I find them. This is gonna be great. So I sit down, I wait, and then finally I see my son round the corner behind me, and he's like, Dad! And I'm like, don't dad me, right? Like, we're beyond that. We're beyond the pleasantries, son, and he's too far away. I can't say that. There's lots of people around. They think it would be weird. So when he finally gets to me, he's like, hey, um, sorry. And I'm like, sorry? Huh. Sorry for what? What exactly are you sorry for? Well, so here's what happened. We knew Hannah wanted to catch up to us, and so we ran around the next rock, and we hid from her. And then she didn't come by the way that we thought she would come by because we wanted to jump out. And so she never came by because she sat on the rock that I saw her back at earlier. And then when we finally came out, Hannah was in front of us, and then like Mommy was in front of us, and then she's like, where have you guys been? Your dad's so far ahead. So for like 20 minutes, I have been going down. I don't even know where I was in this hike. If I look at the map, I might be able to figure out and tell you where I was. But I knew when he told me this, I was like, man, was it worth it? Like these are the things going through my head, the anger, the, the, just like the frustration. So then slowly my oldest daughter shows up, and I have some words with her, and she's avoiding the issue because that's really good for her. Um, let's not talk about it, let's not make, do not make eye contact, okay? If I don't make eye contact, he doesn't think anything's wrong. But then we talked, like, what was that about? Why do you guys want to just get away from your sister? Please stop. And so then finally my wife and my youngest show up, and um, it sounds like they have already had some words with my wife. I don't know exactly what they were, but I can probably guess. And uh, we just decided... Um, at that point, my wife's like, should we just turn back? And you're like, I don't know if we want this whole day. Like, I've got to post about this later, and it's got to be, 
it's got to be magnificent, okay? So let's not let this be the moment that we stop on. I'm like, let's at least go five more minutes, and then we can turn around. I said, no. So I said, hey, we're taking a breather right now. Hey, you go sit on that rock. You go sit on that rock. You go sit on that rock. And we're just going to take a chill right now. Just relax, and we're going to compose ourselves. I'm mainly talking to myself because I was just in a fit from rage to fear because these are my kids. And it's these moments that you're like, I don't know where they are that scares me the most. And when I read passages like this, where Paul is imploring the people in Ephesus to get it. Yes, we are living in this place called Ephesus, and we've got the temple to Artemis or Diana, whoever you want to say it is. And we've got the power of the Roman army behind us. But do you understand the height and the depth and the length of God's love. And would that change you? Because when he's challenging them to understand that concept of how God loves them, he is fully, fully aware that if you can just grasp it, it will change everything. It will change your life. And so no longer it becomes a cerebral exercise of, yeah, I believe in the right God, or yes, I believe in Jesus. It's no, 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 no. I believe because I have experienced his love. So when I look at those four passages that are assigned to today, most of the time when I look at the lectionary readings, I try to figure out what's the through line. And a through line is this, this narrative technique or perhaps a storytelling technique. What are the things that connect the dots? And if the four passages are up on the screen, you can see from 2 Samuel where we tell the story of David and Bathsheba, this is a cheater. Like, he's like a friend of mine, another pastor, says this is a cheating bastard. Like, this is like it. Like, and I know you're like, can you say that in church? You're like, I think you can because they really were bastards back then and he was a cheater and he shouldn't have done what he did, but he was messed up. Then you look at the story of John, the gospel story this week, where he is rescuing people from their hunger and rescuing people from the elements around them, right? 5,000 plus people are desperately hungry and Jesus feeds them. And then his disciples, his closest companions, are caught in a storm and he comes and he rescues the situation. And you even read the, the psalm passage and the psalm writer begins with, only fools say there is no God. So what's the through line for me as I look at these four passages? If it actually is magnified when I read from Ephesians. Because if I can understand and grasp the love that God has for me, I understand that there are moments in my life, like David, that I mess up and I feel like I have been taken off the team. Like he's no longer going to be able to use me because of things that I've done. And interestingly enough, perhaps the sermon next week will deal with it, is just because David's a cheater doesn't mean he's unusable or he's unlovable. And you go to people who are hungry, and sometimes we're hungry just physically. You're like, I need a meal right now. And that's something that is to be known about Christians worldwide for millennium has been that we take care of those in need. But more than that, sometimes we hunger for things that aren't right right now. And we wonder, is it going to be? And God meets us in that place. And then finally, you take the disciples who are caught in the storm, and some of us in our lives right now feel like we are just about to drown, and we don't know how to get out of this storm. And if we step back and we read what Paul says to his friends in Ephesus, we are reminded 
that if I can grasp how wide, how deep, how high, how long is the love of Christ for me, it's not unlike a mother who sends her son to camp. It's not unlike a father who runs after his kids that weren't even there anyway because they hid behind a rock and they were trying to get away from their younger sister. I give that all to you because this is how I noticed this passage come to life for me. And it's my story, but maybe not yours, but I feel like many of you in this room can get some of it. Whether you have felt like God is done with you because of your past, that's not true because that's not David's story. David, yes, messes things up with Bathsheba, but that's not the end of the story for him. Or perhaps you feel like, I'm so hungry right now, I don't know where things are going to come from. And God miraculously comes in and provides. And then perhaps you're caught in a storm like the disciples were, and Jesus walks in a miraculous way and provides stillness when everything is in chaos. And perhaps that's your story today. One of those, or perhaps a different version of it. But when I read this passage, when Paul is talking to his friends in a very loving way in his letter to them, don't forget that no matter what you see around you here in the Roman Empire in this town of Ephesus, there is someone who is more powerful, but he leads with love. And it's his love that invites us into the power of his kingdom. If I can grasp any of it, I want to grasp the bigness, the wideness, the depth, and the length of God's love. So that when I get to the end of this passage in Ephesians that we're reading today, Paul ends with, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Throughout all generations, we, today, in 2021, are many generations since Paul wrote these words. We are an example of what has come true for his prayer that day when he ends with the words, amen. And it's not the end of the letter because you can't shut up a preacher sometimes. And he's going to keep going on and talk about things that are important, like putting on the armor of God when you get to chapter 6. But for us today, I, I, I sense that I don't know what the lies have been for you this past week or perhaps those close to you. I don't know the stories of what is affecting you right now, the fear that so quickly overwhelms, the wonderment of I don't know how to get out of this situation. I don't know if I have an opportunity to get out of this situation. That God says today is a day for you to be reminded that there is love from your Savior that far surpasses what this world gives. And it's that love that invites us into his kingdom. And when his kingdom is at work and on display, oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's not unlike a mother who sends her son to camp. It's not unlike a father who races after his kids because I can't see them. That is how God loves us. And probably, actually I know this to be true, he loves us even better than that. So let's pray. God, Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in this space, in person, and those who are joining online. I pray that these words that we have opened up from your holy scriptures speak to our souls in ways that only you can. For those who find themselves hungry today, may you fill us. For those who, who have just made some mistakes 
whether it's been this past week, this past year, this past decade, or so long ago that it still haunts us. We wonder, can you still use us? And God, would you take stories like David's and remind us that we don't get written out just because of the mistakes we have made? And for those of us in a storm right now, where it is all bad news, where we feel like we're sinking, would you catch us with your love today? Would you remind us of how wide and deep and long and high your love is? Because it's simply amazing, and it changes everything. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.